The following podcast is from Arlington Countryside Church. If you want to learn more about us, please visit us on the web at acchurch.org. Happy Easter, everybody. Um, my, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at ACC, and I would want to add my welcome to uh, Chris's welcome. I'm really glad that you've chosen to be with us um, this morning. Uh, can you imagine uh, this year? It just so happens that Easter fell on the same day as April Fool's. Can you imagine how much more difficult of a task it would have been if that happened in the first century? <laughs> if the disciples were going around saying, He is risen! And everyone was like, Ah, no, 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 you're not going to get me April Fool's. No, really, He's risen. I want to assure you, It is no April Fool's joke. What we believe here and what we proclaim is that Jesus literally, physically was risen from the dead. That he gained the victory over death. And even better than that, he shares the victory with us. For those of us who trust in Christ, we no longer need to fear death. But we believe we too will one day have our own resurrection, and we will conquer death. And for that, we're incredibly grateful. So, folks, it is no April Fool's, I promise you. We're baptizing a couple of men today. We are excited about that, and as Pastor Chris mentioned, you're going to have an opportunity to be spontaneously baptized, uh, to have shown up here this morning completely bone dry, and to leave here just a little bit damp, all right? And, folks, that would be great. Uh, we have a t-shirt and shorts you can change into. We've got a towel for you. And here's the deal. In, in providing this opportunity, we're not looking to um, manipulate anybody or talk anybody into anything. Here's what we're doing. We're just asking you to be responsive to the Lord's voice. And if in the course of uh, the next uh, few moments as I'm speaking or at any point in the service, if you just sense that God is speaking to you and you've never been baptized and you need to take that step of faith. As Chris said, uh, Chris and Jordan and Vicki are over there. You can go back right over there, uh, just have a two-minute conversation with them. They'll get you all set up and you can be a part of the baptism service today. We would love that, but that's between you and God. But we wanted to make that opportunity available. You don't have to give a speech. You don't have to tell your life story. All you'll basically have to do is answer two Simple questions with a yes. You'll, as you're in the pool with me, um, I'll say, have you trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? You answer yes. Is it your desire now to follow him in baptism? You answer yes. That's all you got to do is yes and yes. And uh, uh, we can make that happen. So anyway, if God speaks to you at any point, feel free to get up, go back, talk to them, and uh, we'd love for you to be... an have an actual part in the service, okay? Well, let me pray, and then um, we'll look at a few scripture verses together. Father God, we're so grateful to be together here on Easter morning. Father, this is the pinnacle of all holidays. This is the ultimate of what we get excited about and what we believe. 
Father, just a couple of days ago, we had a very somber service where we, um, on Good Friday, uh, acknowledged the death of our Lord and the cross and what our sins cost you. And Lord, today is the celebration day. Today is the day where we realize that you took all that was evil and all that was wrong with the world and you turned it upside down. And Father, you took the thing people fear the most, death, and you beat it. You conquered it and you share that victory with us. And so, Lord, we're grateful for the resurrection of Christ, for the tremendous power you had to raise him from the dead. And Father, for that, we're incredibly grateful. We pray, Lord, that the true meaning of Easter and uh, God, what you want to do in each of our lives would be a very apparent to us right now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Wednesday of this past week, uh, as I was preparing uh, Easter sermon, I finished the Good Friday sermon already, and as I was preparing the Easter sermon, uh, I went for a walk. And if you know me, my co-workers here at the church will tell you I like going for walks. It's where I do my best thinking. And so uh, I took a piece of paper with me that had a few Bible verses and a few possible ideas for an Easter sermon, and uh, I went for a walk. And uh, I was just holding this, and I was just thinking and praying and, uh, you know, trying to formulate some ideas that could be the sermon for this morning. And as I was walking along, uh, looking, reading, thinking, praying, uh, this old guy uh, came by just as I walked by his house. This old guy came out of his house to get his mail out by the road. And as he came out, we like, like met almost at the same time. And he, he pointed and he went, he went, he went, I like that. He said, I, I like that. Keep up the good. He said, I like that. Keep up the good. And you know how when someone says something to you and you have no idea what they're talking about, but you just smile and like nod your head? You know, that's what I did. I was like, okay, cool. You know, old guy tells me to keep up the good and he likes it. Whatever. And so as I was walking along, I thought to myself, what did he mean by that? I don't understand. And then I was like, wait a minute. How did he know I was working on my sermon? And not only that, but he told me that it was good. And then I realized that was probably an angel. And God, like, placed him there to tell me I'm on the right track for my Easter sermon, you know. And I was like, that is cool. This is a true story, by the way, okay. I was like, how awesome is that? And then about five minutes later, as I'm walking along, I'm like, no, you know what I bet that was? I bet he thought as I was going for a walk, I was picking up litter that I was finding along the road. And he was just saying, hey, nice job picking up garbage as you go for a walk. It's probably more likely. So, was he an angel or was he an environmentally conscious old dude? Who knows, okay? But anyway, I'd like to think maybe it was God's way of saying I was on the right track. I don't know. Maybe you can be the judge of that by the end of this morning, all right? Um, I want to take you to just two Bible verses. Uh, one was one that I discovered this week that I was like, man, that's a great Easter verse. This is maybe uh, just a great Easter verse for us to look at. And interestingly enough, it's found right in the middle of a sermon that the Apostle Peter was giving. It, giving. it was recorded in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. And uh, uh, Peter's speaking to this crowd and uh, in the middle of this, he's ref- he's talking about Jesus, and and look what it says, Acts two verse twenty four. It says, "But God released him from the horrors of death 
But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Isn't that a great verse? There's so much there. I love the way death is personified. As if death has hands. And therefore death has a grip. And it was hanging on to Jesus in the grave with all of its might. But it lost its grip. It couldn't keep its grip on him. I love that imagery. We've all lost our grip on things before, haven't we? I've taken my dog for walks where squirrels come by and I haven't been paying attention and I almost get my arm ripped out of its socket, right? How many of you have experienced that before, right? And that leash slips out of your hand and you got to go chasing your dog. And just those times where you try, you think you have a grip on something, but you don't. And death thought Jesus was actually permanently dead, like every other person who had died up to that point in human history, right? And and death thought that its grip was strong and secure and firm, but it says that death couldn't keep its grip on Jesus. I love that. And that's what Resurrection Day, Easter Day is all about. Folks, I want you to see that death is our final enemy, that death is our ultimate enemy. And that Christ has defeated death. That's what we celebrate. I want you to know that death was never a part of God's original design. I hear people say sometimes, and to be honest, I've said it before in the past, but I've stopped saying it. If you still say it, hey, no offense, and we can still be friends, okay? I used to say it, but I don't say it anymore. Uh, where... You know, I, something along the lines of I'd communicate to people, hey man, you just got to learn to accept death. You know, it's part of the circle of life, it's natural, and you know, you just got to, you know, get used to it. The more I've read scripture, the more I've come to the determination, nah, don't think so. <laughs> I think death is an enemy. It will always be an enemy. And an enemy is someone you can't turn your back on. An enemy is someone you can't trust. An enemy is someone that doesn't have your best interests in mind. And folks, from the beginning, death, human beings dying, isn't something that God had in his design. Because you see, God understood what death does to us. It rips people that we love out of our lives. And months, years, decades later, our heart still aches. And all of us have this survival instinct in us where we just inherently know that death isn't right. That the scripture tells us that God has placed eternity in our hearts. And we believe the Bible teaches that every person has an eternal soul. And yeah, our physical body one day will wear out and die. But there's, an, there's a spirit, there's an eternal soul that will go on forever. And we sense, we just sense we were made to live forever. And so we resist death. We don't want to face it. And folks, I believe that's true. And that's why the message of Easter is so vital. Because even though death is the ultimate enemy, Christ has conquered it. And he shares that victory with us. In the Bible, when it talks about death, it's basically what it means is a separation. For instance, 
Uh, physical death, human death, is separation of the body from the spirit. And when the spirit and the body separate, that's what you and I would call death. Spiritual death is separation of us from God. That we're not in relationship with him. We don't know him. We don't walk with him. And that condition of spiritual death is something that every human being deals with their entire life. That we aren't naturally connected with God any longer because of sin. Now, we were made to walk with God. We were made to be connected with Him. But we were born in sin. And what impacted the entire human race affects each one of us. And so there's that spiritual deadness inside people before they come to Christ. They may seek God. They may look for God. But there's this sense of, inadequacy. There's a sense of they really don't know his name. There's a sense that they're not connected the way that they want to be. And as Peter was preaching here, he says, God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep its grip on him. Folks, that's the gospel. Right in that one verse, there's the gospel that Jesus died. He experienced the horrors of death But then death lost its grip on him, and he was raised to life. And that's the crux of the gospel. The good news of Jesus is in its simple, most concise form that he died and that he rose from the dead. It's about his death and his resurrection. His death, the laying down of his life. It wasn't taken from him. He voluntarily laid it down. He allowed sinful men to torture him, crucify him. And in that death, a substitution took place. A sacrifice took place. It was an atoning death. And he died in our place. And then to prove that the sacrifice was accepted by the Father, he rose from the dead. To prove that he could conquer death and give us life, he was risen. It was a historical, physical resurrection. Our message to you is this, that forgiveness is found only through Christ. And what it involves is believing Jesus was the Son of God who came to earth, that he died a substitutionary death, he died in our place, and he rose again from the dead. Folks, I just explained the gospel in under 60 seconds. The gospel message is basic. It's really simple. Now, people trip up on it all the time. People trip up on it all the time because they're like, ah, sounds too easy. Ah, there's got to be some strings attached. You know, there's, there's got to be more to it than that. But it's not. It's a simple message that even a child can understand. And it's simply trusting in that for your salvation. Not in your good works, not in your morality, not in your religiosity, but in what Christ did for you, and that salvation is a gift. Now, I want to show you how that gift of Christ and what Christ did in dying and raising from the dead, the, the, the um, results of that for those of us who've trusted in him. Many of you have crossed the line of faith. You've embraced Christ, and that's why you're here, right? And so I want to share with you uh, a verse that explains what that's done for you. It's Romans 6, verse 4. It says, For we died, 
And we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. See, what it says is that those of us who are in Christ have been baptized into his death and baptized into his resurrection. That word baptized, as used in that verse, that word baptism is an interesting word. It has a couple of different meanings. Literally, the word baptize means to dip or to immerse. And so you get that morning donut from Spunky Dunkers and you put it in your coffee, you're baptizing that bad boy before you eat it, right? That's all you're doing. You're immersing it, you're dipping it. That's what, that's what the literal meaning of baptism is, to dip or to immerse. But it's got another meaning, and it's the figurative meaning. And the figurative meaning is to be identified with. To be identified with. And so, when you dunk that donut in the coffee, it identifies with the coffee. It takes up the flavor of the coffee. It's changed. In the first century, when people would dye cloth, like they'd be making dresses or, or, or other clothing, they would take white cloth and they would dip it, like, for instance, like in a, a purple dye. And as they dipped it or immersed it or baptized it, they would pull it out and it would be changed. Because you see, what would happen is the white cloth would then, because of its baptism, be identified with the purple dye. And, and and the white cloth was no longer white, but it was purple. And so there's that figurative meaning of, of being identified with. And that's how it's being used here. That when we trust in Christ, a miracle happens. At the moment you cross the line of faith, you are spiritually, figuratively identified with. You are bonded with the death of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's commonly called spirit baptism. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, tells us about this. It says, now, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But the one thing all Christians have in common, we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And so that's the gift given to us when we trust in Christ, is that we're identified with his death and his resurrection. Now this verse and, and Romans 6, it's not talking about water baptism. It's talking what we're doing today. It's talking about this spirit baptism, this spiritual identification with Christ's death and resurrection. But here's the cool part about baptism as we do it. Water baptism illustrates these truths. Lowered into the grave, identified with his death. And so that's a water grave. And so when, in just a few moments, I'll take these two men and I'll lower them into the water, that's a picture of the death and burial of Christ. That's a picture of spirit baptism, of being identified with the death of Jesus. But then I don't leave them under the water. I bring them back out. And it's a beautiful, symbolic representation of the resurrection of Christ. And so that water baptism we're going to do is a physical 
uh, literal uh, representation of an inward symbolic spiritual truth that's already taken place in these men's lives. They've already experienced this death and resurrection spiritually, and now the water baptism is just a way to like physically represent it. And they're giving testimony to their faith in Christ. And that's what makes it such a great thing symbolically and such a powerful um, act of obedience. Because we're baptized in the Spirit at the moment of salvation, it allows us to immediately then follow Christ in water baptism. There's a story in the book of Acts, chapter 8, where there was a man from Ethiopia. Uh, he was a government official. He was an important dude. And Philip the evangelist came upon him and shared Jesus with him, explained the gospel to him. And right then and there, within minutes of the conversation starting and Philip explaining the good news of Jesus to this Ethiopian man, uh, he, he said to Philip, hey, what's keeping me from being baptized? Philip says, let's find some water. Let's get her done, right? I mean, that's what happened. And folks, it's just like that. That Ethiopian government official didn't wake up that morning thinking he was going to be baptized. That wasn't on his schedule. That wasn't part of his agenda. But he was confronted with Christ. Boom! God worked in his heart. He knew that he had trusted in Christ. Let's find some water. That's the beauty. And that's what's happening this morning. And so again, my friends, I want to invite you that if God is speaking to your heart, you can go back there, talk to one of the people standing back there, we'll get you set up. If God's not speaking to you, stay where you're at and just enjoy the baptisms as they're scheduled, okay? But you see, we die. We, we identify with Christ's death. What do we die to? We die to our selfishness, our greed, our hatred, all the sin, all the stuff that gums up our walk with God and our relationship with other people. And what do we raise up to? Well, we raise up to a new life, new values, new priorities, likely a new morality to a certain extent, new meaning, new purpose, new peace, new joy. All those new things come. And so Bernard and Tim are going to be baptized. They've got different stories. They have different backgrounds. But here's the thing Bernard and Tim both have in common. They've acknowledged their need for a Savior. And they've chosen to be obedient to Christ. And that's a joyous thing. That's a good thing. I was baptized when I was in college. I was baptized as an infant. And I'm sure that was a meaningful thing to my parents. Unfortunately, I couldn't remember it. And unfortunately, it wasn't my choice. It was my parents' choice. And so eventually, as I got into college, I was like, you know what? This needs to be my choice. This is something I need to do for myself. And I knew it's what God wanted me to do. And I was amazed at what a milestone that was in my spiritual development. And I was amazed at how meaningful that was to me. And in the people that are baptized over and over again, I hear again and again how emotional it is, and it surprises them, and how meaningful it was to them, and they didn't expect it to be that meaningful. But I think God affirms things in our heart as we step out in faith and are willing to be obedient. And so um, 
in just a few moments that's going to be taking place. And we're grateful for these men's lives and uh, their testimony for Christ. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about Arlington Countryside Church, please visit us on the web at acchurch.org.